I'm Holly. And I'm Allie, and we are the Twin Project. <laughs> Woohoo! Okay, so today's topic is about historical figures. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start, Holly. Who did you choose for talking about today? Well, I chose two people, Albert Einstein and then um, St. Kateri Tekuita, I think is how you say it. Okay, cool. Yeah, what about you? Um, I chose two as well because I both love these historical figures and they're so fun to read about. And so they are Anne Frank and Cleopatra. Mm, those are good ones. Yeah, so <laughs> why don't we hear about your people first? Okay, so Albert Einstein has always been my favorite. I actually don't know why, but... I just like reading about him, I guess. Um, so to start off with, Einstein um, had an IQ of 160. Not a lot of people know that. And um, the famous one that everyone knows that he developed, it was the equation MC- E equals MC squared. <laughs> So, right, the famous equation. Yes, for physics. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as much as I know off the top of my head for him. But, um, yeah, I just like reading about him, I guess. Cool. Yeah. So, mine, well, I'll start with Anne Frank because she's one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I kind of looked up her background because I knew most of it, but I wasn't sure on lots of the dates. Mm. So the short um, summary of her life is uh, she was born in Frankfurt, Germany, and she, but she mostly lived her life in, the, in Amsterdam. And she moved her, with her family there at age four when the Nazis gained control over Germany. Um, so... Of course, with being a Jew during that time, she lost her German citizen citizenship in 1941 and became stateless, is what it's called. Um, but in May 1940, the Franks were trapped in Amsterdam and were sent to um, Auschwitz, which and also to Bergen-Belsen, which are the two two top most horrid concentration camps. Um, but they were, so Anne and her sister Margot were in both of them, and the rest of her family was, um, in Bergen-Belsen only, and, but before they got captured, they were hidden in a attic that was hidden behind a bookcase that, uh, was in the building where Anne's father worked. And so they weren't arrested until 1944. And so when her father, the only living survivor of that family, was released by um, relief, by the relief army, uh, he found her diary and kept it and was pushing for publication. And finally, he was able to publicize or publicated in 1947 so it was translated from the original dutch version to english in 1950 
The Diary of a Young Girl. And so I just love her story so much. And I love reading her diary. It's so strange. Especially in these times, it kind of feels like I'm Anne Frank a little because we're all just stuck in one spot and we can't really go anywhere too much. So that's kind of why I chose her. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember you saying that it was originally in Dutch. Um, I thought she was from Germany. <laughs> I'm not. She is from Germany, but she wa- mainly lived in Amsterdam. Oh, in the Netherlands. that makes sense. Okay. I actually did not know that. Also, yeah. I have a question about her that I've never looked up, but I've always been curious about this. Was, mm-hmm. did they kill her? Like, the Nazis? Um, or did she so, live after? From all the books I've read and all the things I have studied over this time period, she actually did not die from the Gestapo, which would be the people who would most likely have killed her within the camps. Uh, she actually most likely died of typhus. And the Red Cross actually estimated that she died in March but um, in recent studies they found that she died in February and I've took a class on this time period in concentration camps and and typhus typhoid and many other illnesses were like one of the major killers in these concentration camps because they were so close together that if just a sickness started, it would just spread like wildfire. And to so, um, yeah. ask you one more question, what is typhus? Um, I'm not sure, but I believe it's a respiratory illness. I will look it up. I don't up. know. I've oh, heard okay. that so it's, also... it's rash or something. Okay, so it's also known as ty- typhus fever. Um, and this is what the internet says it says it is a within a group of infectious diseases that include epidemic typhus scrub typhus and murine typhus um common symptoms include fever headache and a rash oh okay so yeah so and it's caused by bacterial infection and as most of you probably know the camps were not the cleanest yeah so i've always wanted to time travel and go back into the like just to be in the camps even though just to see how yeah even though it'd be like super horrible experience i just want to experience it yeah if we were when if we went there together holly Mm -hmm. we should we would not have we could not tell anyone we were twins even though we are oh yeah because and i remember one of the main one of the stories that i heard from about anne frank and her sister even though I believe Anne is a little older, but they looked quite similar that they were asked if they were twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course they said they weren't. So that saved them from Dr. Mendel, I believe. And he was a huge experimenter on twins. And it's a, there's really cool videos on YouTube about the twins who were under his control and how they and what have happened with them because he would test chemicals and so many other terrible things because they wanted to figure out how to make more German people so they could be racially um, pure, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so with twins, you could have more of that in a shorter amount of time. I'm surprised that they didn't just try to go for triple triplets or quadruplets. 
<laughs> just do the whole package. Oh, I'm sure they extremely took the. I'm sure they were extremely interested in those those people. But I am. They were mainly experimented on twins because that was the most common. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I still think it's crazy how a person, um, more specifically Adolf Hitler, um, just wanted to cleanse the country and all the rest of the countries around it. Basically, the mm-hmm. entire world, but in all actuality, Didn't get that I don't think that you can actually do that successfully without, uh, like, years no, and years. But he can, but he can, he can, he sure tried. Yeah, one can try. Sure yep. Yeah. So who was your other person? Uh, it was St. Kateri Takawita, and I actually read about her in eighth grade, and now she's my favorite saint, but... um. She was, she kind of reminds me of Mary in the sense of the amount of purity that she had her entire life. And um, I think that a lot of people can relate to her because she is a little bit more um, uh, recent, even though it was in the late 1600s. I think that <laughs> um, a lot of people can relate to the fact um, that she just wanted to, uh, how do I say this? I don't know exactly how to say this, but I don't know. I just, I like her a lot. <laughs> and do you have any questions about her? Yeah. So do you know what she's the patron saint of? Um, actually, I always forget of this, but let me check this up really quick. Um, I know that she, she sounds really cool. Yeah, she was an Indian. She was Algonquin. I know that off of my top. Off oh, the head. I believe I believe I've definitely heard of her. I feel like I've yeah. seen a picture of her before. I actually do enjoy saint stories because they are just so awe-inspiring and so unique in each way. Mm-hmm. And it really shows that a lot of different paths in life. Mm-hmm. how many they are there are yeah so katiri tekuita is the patroness of ecology and the environment oh wow yeah okay. I, fi- cool. I find that interesting though and it kind of makes sense because she did really care about the nature and everything like that but it also makes sense because she was native american too mm-hmm. um and they have a strong nature belief yeah Yep. It's crazy. Do you have a little bit of her story, perhaps? I do, actually. Um, oh, no, it went away. That's okay. <laughs> I can just tell you off of the top of my head. Um, so mm-hmm. she was originally not Christian until a group of missionaries um, had come over to her village and basically just preached about Christianity. And, of course... The Indians did not like that, so they kind of, of course. you know, pushed them away from the village. But St. <laughs> Kateri was really moved by it, and um, in her household, she actually, like, had to keep it a secret that she was Christian. Um, mm. So she didn't want to keep it a secret anymore, so she moved uh, to the Mohawk area, and she became oh, okay. Christian at the age of 20, and she was baptized and everything. Um, and actually, it's 
pretty crazy because um, after she was recognized as a saint, there was this boy, I think in 2011, um, who had prayed for her intercession because he had um, some sort of uh, disease. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly what it was, but after he prayed to her, all of a sudden, the disease just went away. It disappeared. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. So, how... Because I know you have to have, like, three miracles or some sort right. to be ordained a saint. Do you know any other stories of miracles that she has had or intercessions? Um, actually... I don't know much about the miracles, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's the only miracle that I remember reading about, but, um, the first book that I read about her in eighth grade was more of just a narrative of her life, um, oh, uh-huh. about a big, uh, I can't say that word, biography. About who? Oh, there biography. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Takes me a while sometimes. hmm But, um... Actually, oh wait, no, I do know another one. Actually, oh uh huh. Uh, so there is this father, in in Montreal, and a nun actually too, who recovered their hearing after uh-huh. praying to Katri Katiri. Sorry. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that story. Yeah, I don't know that much about other saints, but. I feel like um, it's kind of hard to, like, remember which ones are all the patron saints of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot. There's quite a bit of saints. Yeah, there's some people at our school that just say, oh, let's pray to this patron saint for this volleyball game that we're going to do or something. And <laughs> I don't know how they do it off the top of their head. <laughs> I bet they've done it many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, what is your other uh, historical figure? Mine was Cleopatra the Second, Philippator. I'm not sure how to the last one, but um, I just always have admired her story, and so she was. She reigned in from 51 BC to about 10 or 12, uh, the 10th or the 12th of August in 30 BC, so around 21 years. Um, and she was born in early, early 69 BC in Alexandria in the Ptolemaic Kingdom, and she died the on. Uh, What's it called? Oh, age 39. Um, also the same date as when was the last year of her rule. So she is amazing because I think she's very strong and her love story is quite captivating. And she also had a son, I believe, who was named Caesarion. Um, but they were all members of the Ptolemaic dynasty, and she was the descendant of its founder, Ptolemy the First Sauter. 
and he was a Macedonian Greek general and a companion of Alexander the Great. So, big name there. <laughs> yeah. So, after the death of Cleopatra, Egypt became a province of the Roman Empire, marking the end of the Hellenistic period that had lasted since the reign of Alexander. Um, her native language, I didn't know they had this, her native language is Canoan Greek, and she was the only Ptolemaic ruler to learn the Egyptian language. So, in a little bit about her story is, in 58 BC, Cleopatra presumably accompanied her father Ptolemy the Seventh during his exile to Rome after a revolt in Egypt and allowed his daughter Berenice the Fourth to claim the throne. Berenice was killed in 55 BC when Ptolemy returned to Egypt with Roman military assistance. When he died in 51 BC, the joint reign of Cleopatra and her brother Ptolemy the Eighth began falling out between them. Oh, it began, but a falling out between them led to open civil war. After losing the Battle of Pharsalus in 48 BC, Greece and his rival Julius Caesar. Whoa. I did not. I completely missed a sentence. <laughs> That's okay. I skipped a sentence. Okay. Let's try this again. Oh, boy. After losing the 48 BC Battle of Pharsalus in Greece against his rival Julius Caesar in the Caesar Civil War, the Roman statesman of Pompe- oh the royal statesman Pompey fled to Egypt. So Pompey had been a political ally of Ptolemy the se- uh, the seventh, but Paul Ptolemy the eighth, at the urging of his court eunuchs, had Pompey ambushed and killed before Caesar arrived. So that's a little bit of her background and her family drama. Mm-hmm. Um. But her assassination, or the assass, yeah, the assassination of Pompeii is really cool as well. There's lots of people connected to her story, so. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and so the assassination of Pompeii, um, in the summer of 49 BC, Cleopatra and her forces were still fighting against Ptolemy VIII when Alexandria, within Alexandria, when Pompeii's son, Genus Pompeius arrived, seeking military aid on behalf of his father. After returning to Italy from the wars in Gaul and crossing the Rubicon in January of 49 BC, Caesar had forced Pompey and his supporters to flee to Greece. In perhaps their last joint decree, both Cleopatra and Ptolemy VIII agreed to Gennaeus Pompey's request and sent his father 60 ships and 500 troops, including Garbanini and move and a move that helped erase some of the debt owed to Rome. Losing the fight against her brother, Cleopatra was forced to flee Alexandria and withdraw to the region of Thebes. By the spring of 48 BC, Cleopatra had traveled to Rome and Syria with her younger sister, Arsinoa IV, to gather an invasion force that would head to Egypt. She returned with an army but her advance to Alexandria was blocked by her brother's forces, including some Ga- some Gavanini mobilized to fight against her. So she camped outside the Pelosian 
in the eastern Nile Delta. In Greece, Caesar and Pompey's forces engaged each other at the decisive Battle of Pharsalus, leading to the destruction of most of Pompey's army, and, his, and he forced flight to Tyre, Lebanon. Given his close relationship with Ptolemies, Pompey ultimately decided that Egypt would be his place of refuge where he could replenish his forces. Ptolemy VIII advises, however, the idea of Pompey using Egypt as his base in his protracted Roman civil war. In a scheme devised by Theodos, Pompey arrived by ship in near pollution after being invited by a written message only to be ambushed and stabbed to death. So, that's a little bit of history for you guys. I know it was a lot, but I find it interesting because just of all the wars and how many different sides there were to things. Yeah, I agree. Pompey's always really cool to hear about anyways. Mm-hmm. Or the person Pompey. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just kind of, that was a little bit before how she got to become the princess or the pharaoh of Egypt. That's cool. So. Yeah. Anyways, I think we're going to end it here. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of history talk today. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anything to say, Holly? Nope. We've definitely talked their ear off, Allison. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably talked a little too much. All right. Anyways, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening.